It's so nice to be with you at this moment. Pray with me. Father, we give you so much thanks. May we take this opportunity for reflection, of learning, of how we can be more like your son. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Holy Spirit, please lead us at this moment. Father, speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. As my friend Justice was asking me this question, I was, at this moment I was rock bottom. Uh, I fell into drugs and alcohol pretty hard and he asked me this simple question, hey, can I pray for you? I'm like, yeah, pray for me. Yeah, that, that, that's sure gonna fix a whole lot. But the difference was, was Justin, a believer, got up, sat right next to me, an unbeliever at that moment, and prayed, prayed for me. And I had no idea that this was going to shift everything. My world was gonna be upside down and everything was going to change. The way I was gonna see the world, the people, my loved ones, my family, the heartbroken, the loss, everything was going to change and I was gonna grow into a son of the Most High. But you see, Justin, when he, when he prayed for me, he was talking to a friend. And at that moment, I, I truly didn't believe why he was talking to someone that he seemingly knew so well to show love to me. You see, I was broken, I was heartbroken, and I, don't, I felt like I didn't deserve love at that moment. But all he said was, God, open his heart to your love. And it felt like he was talking to a friend, and it's such an amazing thing, because if you're a Christian, you understand now, I understand now that the friend is God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, that he was talking to the God of the universe about me and my heartbreak. But that prayer led to discover Jesus for myself and it changed everything. And fast forward six years later, or six years later, uh, I'm planting a church and our team here at Collective. Um, and I got asked a question the other day, what's important to you? What's important that your church knows about you or instills about you and just can do everything that you want as a, as a church? What's important to you, Zach? And today in this moment, I just want to kind of ask you the same question. What's important to you? Because if you ask 100 Christians what's important to them as a, as a Christian, you might get a whole bunch of whole bunch of different answers and that's going to be uh, something I want to talk into because it, it's ultimately going to lead into the culture that I want to instill at Collective Church and in reality it's it's a culture that we should all have as Christians and um, so while we go into that we just I'm just gonna have three things and I just want this to be a message of encouragement because if you're not practicing these things as a Christian these three things that we're going to talk about uh, it's going to be su such an amazing time today because just like myself, I never write or preach a message that I'm not preaching to myself because I was convicted, I was challenged, I was encouraged, I was boldened. I was just like, I don't know if boldened is even word, but I, I felt bold, more bold in these practices and I just want us to um, share that. I just want to share that with you today. So if you're, um, you have your Bibles out or if you just want to listen, we're in John chapter 17 and a year and a half ago, when we had our first little gathering or meetup at my house, uh, I shared this same passage about unity and how Jesus was praying for himself to be glorified to God. He was praying for 
the, the apostles and he was praying for all the believers. And it says this in verse 20, uh, John 17. My prayer is not for them alone. He just got done talking about his apostles and his disciples, his 12. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be, be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Backtracking just a little bit, so that they may be brought to complete unity. And that's my goal. And I, and I truly believe if we practice these three, three things that I'm going to go into, that you will become a, a, a better follower of Jesus and you will be more slow and you'll walk slower and you'll be more kind and compassionate and you will become more like Jesus. I truly believe that. So before we go into that, I want to just pray um, to God for help and to give thanks for his word. Uh, Father, thank you so much. We just got done reading your word and we understand completely that there's people in this, um, on this planet that can't open your word freely, that they have to hide it. They get persecuted and some even brought to death because of your word. And Father, may we never take it for granted that we can open it whenever we want. And may we take a deep breath and give thanks for your word that has changed so many lives, has changed my life, and has changed so many people watching um, their lives as well. In Jesus' name, amen. So number one, prayer plus silence and solitude. I just can't get over this. I just up in LA talking um, to a church. Uh, Pablo, if you're watching, I love you, bro. Um, but I asked this question, and well, let me, let me go into a little bit of a story, but I asked this question, if Jesus went off and prayed in silence and solitude, how much more should you? If Jesus' focal point of his ministry was prayer, and he talked to God all the time, how much more should you? And I just had such a heart-filling thing that happened to me a couple weeks ago. I wasn't in a good mood. I left an event pretty uh, turned, I would say. I was kind of frustrated. And I was walking and kind of venting with my friend John. And we got to his car, we said goodbye. And I got in my car and, and I left. And about 15 minutes into my drive home, I get a phone call from John. And he goes, Zach, I wanted, I so desperately wanted to pray for you at that moment but I just, I didn't have enough courage. I didn't have enough boldness and I, and I don't want this opportunity to pass. So can I pray for you on the phone? And I'm like, oh my gosh, of course you can. And it was just the most heart feeling thing that I've uh, uh, witnessed in a long time. And, and prayer just became just this focal point of, uh, of a reminder of mine. And, and maybe that be an encouragement to you, make that phone call right now to pray for someone. I don't know. But check out what this scripture said about Jesus and praying um, to his disciples. In Luke 18, 1, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. 
to always pray and not give up. We have scripture all over the place about how important prayer is. And Jesus made it important where many times in the Gospels it says that he went off and to a solitary place or got up early or took that moment to pray by himself. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he said to his uh, disciples, hey, stay up, stay, stay watchful as I go and pray to the Father. And here is a list of all the times that Jesus was praying and like, you know, caught praying in the, in the Gospels. Um, check this out. It's kind of a longer list, and it's, but it's, a, it's cool. It's a cool list. Uh, Luke 3, at his baptism. Mark 1, in the morning before heading to Galilee. Luke 5, after healing people. Luke 6, praying all night before choosing his 12 disciples. Matthew 11, while speaking to the Jewish leaders. John 6, giving thanks to, to the Father before feeding 5,000. Matthew 14, before walking on water. Mark 6, while heading, healing a deaf and mute man. Matthew 15, giving thanks to the Father before feeding 4,000. Luke 9, before Peter called Jesus the Christ. Luke 9, at the transfiguration. Luke 10, at the return of the 70. Luke 11, before teaching his disciples the Lord's Prayer. John 11, before raising Lazarus from the dead. Matthew 19, laying hands on and praying for little children. John 12, asking the Father to glorify his name. Matthew 26, at the Lord's Supper. Luke 22, prayed for Peter's faith when Satan asked to sift him. John 17, that we just read earlier, prayed for himself, his disciples, and all believers just before heading to the garden. Matthew 26, in the garden before his betrayal. Luke 23, right before being nailed to the cross, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Matthew 27, while dying on the cross, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Luke 23, in his dying breath, Jesus prayed, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Luke 24, prayed a blessing on the bread before he ate with others after his resurrection. Luke 24, he blessed the disciples before his ascension. All throughout the scriptures, you find Jesus praying or in the midst of a prayer. And I've been trying this thing uh, recently, and uh, it's called, you know, praying, but for praying for 12 minutes. And it's, it's found from a, a study from Dr. Carolyn Leaf. Um, check out what her quote says. According to Dr. Carolyn Leaf, it has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period of time can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. This type of prayer increases activity in brain areas associated with social interaction, compassion, and sensitivity to others. It also increases frontal lobe activity as focus and intentionality increase. And so I've been trying that. I've been setting a timer on my phone. I haven't been using my drive time as my prayer time. I haven't been using anything else. I've just been sitting down, setting a timer for 12 minutes and it's a lot harder than I thought. And I've felt super convicted as a pastor. I'm like, when's the last time you actually just sat there and prayed for 12 minutes at least? And so I've been trying, I've been trying it with my uh, girlfriend, Kaylee. Uh, we've been doing a little popcorn prayer and it's such an amazing opportunity just to sit and make Jesus everything. It's not making him convenient. It's not doing anything apart from our schedule other than just being in that moment and praying for at least 12 minutes. And again, I ask you that question. If Jesus got up and prayed to the Father and went off into a solitary and silent place, how much more should you? 
I was so convicted by that question. And as I'm even recording this message, I'm convicted enough to even say, yeah, I've done my scripture reading, I've done some work for Collective Church, but I've not done my 12 minutes of prayer yet. So I will be doing that today. And wow, I love the Holy Spirit convicting while I'm even recording a message. (laughs) So number one, prayer plus silence and solitude. That's what you should be known for. That's what Collective Church will be known for. Number two is hospitality. Uh, Speaking biblically, hospitality is treating strangers and friends alike. It is welcoming one another into our homes and lives. Hospitality is a sacred duty. And I just want to quickly talk about my mom where she had an open door policy. There was a time in our household that all rooms were filled. A lot of friends of mine in their early 20s hit rock bottom as well. They they found... um, a home on the couch or you know even my friend put a mattress pad on the pool table and the house the coolest house was known to be open to have food all the time and to just be a place where you can experience just rest and assurance that you know what yeah your life might be tough right now you might not have a place to live but you have a place here and I just I my mom and I we've had a fun journey being Christians together um, we've been uh, really hard discipleship, disciples of Jesus following the way the last six years. But before that, it's not, it was not good. It was not pretty. Um, but we were trying. And um, I look back at that household growing up. And her gift of hospitality has shown me more Jesus than a lot has. And I thank my mom for that because my house in the future will have um, hospitality written all over it. We will invite people over to eat and uh, to stay and to um, find comfort and and it's just going to be an amazing thing. And I just have a couple more lists. It's not as extent as the last one. I'm gonna I cut it down a little bit, but um, there's numerous New Testament passages where Jesus was either in the midst of hospitality or was shown hospitality or was given. Um, uh, an opportunity to be hospitable to someone else. And um, it's in Luke 5 at the house of Levi, Matthew 8 at Peter's mother-in-law's, Matthew 26 at Jesus, as Jesus is anointed in Bethany, Luke 10 in the home of Mary and Martha, Luke 19 at the house of Zacchaeus, Luke 24 on the road to Emmaus. Uh, there's a whole bunch more, but I'm gonna just cut it off. I love you guys. Read your gospels and you're gonna find hospitality written all over it. Uh, Tim Chester has this uh, amazing quote. It says this, In Luke's gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal. So yes, this is your pastor's call to make you go eat more. But still work out. I love you guys. Um, Now Paul's list and their missionary efforts in the the New Testament after Jesus' ascension um, and their missionary efforts with his companions, the gospel advanced in the home of Lydia in Acts 16, at the house of Philip, the, the Philippian jailer in Acts 16, with Aquila and Priscilla in Corinth, Acts 18, at the house of Philip in Caesarea, Acts 21, on the island of Malta in the home of Publius, Acts 28, with Gaius, Romans 16, as guests of Philemon in Philemon, verse 22. Hospitality is everywhere. And, <coughs> excuse me, unfortunately, I had this... Um, 
experience where uh, I was with an individual individual that was hosting a dinner <clears throat> and was uh, pick we went on this uh, uh, car ride to go pick up two people that were invited to dinner they couldn't make it over without us picking them up and we got to the house and there was two other adults there and it seemed like to me that we were splitting the family up for dinner and I didn't I really didn't fully understand that I was just on there for the ride I didn't have any say into this or whatever I was just there for the for the ride and for the dinner and I asked them I'm like hey why don't we invite the other two people to dinner as well and he unfortunately stated that those two people that we didn't invite weren't members of the church that he was a pastor at and it just broke my heart I kind of collapsed internally and I'm like oh my goodness I don't mean to shed uh, darkness onto that situation or that individual or anything. I just, I just want to clearly state that hospitality um, at Collective Church will be voiced as come as you are. Everyone's invited. You'll always have a seat at, at Collective Church or at, in my home. You'll, the open table, the open, the open arms and the open heart that we will all have here as a church will just be so evident that that situation, that I, that story will never happen. And um, yeah, we all have areas in our lives as Christians that we need to work on. And, but prayer and hospitality, after this message, I hope it's gonna be uh, a sticking point for you. And it's gonna be an amazing journey because we're gonna do it together. Um, so number one was prayer, silence and solitude. Number two uh, was hospitality. And number three is understanding and hearing people's stories. We will be known as Collective Church to be that we're gonna be curious and not judgmental. How many opportunities do we get to be judgmental with meeting people or seeing people all the time? But we can also flip that script and go into a mode of curiosity because we're gonna ask questions, we're gonna ask what's there going on in their lives and we all have backstories, loved ones. We all have stories either filled with pain, wounds, relationship troubles, divorce, alcoholism, drugs, depression, anxiety, um, sexual abuse. We all have these things that um, encapsulate all of our stories but falls under one roof of Jesus and brings us together. And may we make an attempt to initiate, to get to know people on more of an intimate level asking people's stories. And I was just reading a book and uh, John Tyson's beautiful resistance book. He shared a story of Stephen Covey um, or Stephen Covey. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but he shared an, a powerful experience of being curious and not judgmental and how the implications of that. And it was just an, it's a heart wrenching story. And so I want to share that with you right now. He wrote this one weekend. While taking a train in New York, he was relishing some quiet reflection and solace. The train stopped, the doors opened, and a father and his children got on. The children began to shout and throw things and disturb the whole train. When Covey could handle it no longer, he challenged the man, Sir, your children are really disturbing a lot of people. I wonder if you couldn't control them a little more. The man lifted his gaze as if to come to a consciousness of the situation for the first time and said softly, Oh, you're right. I guess I should do something about it. 
We just came from the hospital where their mother died about an hour ago. Oh, that's, I don't know what to think. And I guess they don't know how to handle it either. And then he wrote this. Can you imagine what I felt at that moment? My paradigm shifted. Suddenly I saw things differently. And because I saw differently, I thought differently. I felt differently. I behaved differently. My irritation vanished. I didn't have to worry about controlling my attitude or my behavior for my heart was filled with the man's pain. Feelings of sympathy and compassion flowed freely. Your wife just died? Oh, I'm so sorry. Can you tell me about it? What can I do to help? Everything changed in an instant. May we be a church that has that same sympathy and empathy and compassion to hear someone's side of their story. Before we judge, we're going to be curious. That story brings me to tears every single time. And may we be a family that is so filled with wonder and curiosity of people's stories and how they got there in life or what's going on. That because it's going to open the doors to the, for the first two points. It's going to open this, the, the road to hospitality. It's going to ro- open the road for you to pray for them. If you know someone's story, <coughs> and God gave us all stories and all different types of testimonies. But if once you know someone's story, you're going to be hospitable to them, inviting them over if they need it, or um, buying them a meal if they need it, or whatever it needs, or a pray you're going to pray for them. It's just, it's just going to be this beautiful snowball of being there in one, as one family, as, as, as a, being a unified family and like John 17 that Jesus prayed for. So, I know that was a lot, um, but, but there's three things that are important to me as a Christian that should be important to you as a Christian, but also is going to be the core of collective churches is prayer, uh, hospitality, and understanding people and their stories of being curious and not judgmental. And so what's what's so again I ask you like I got asked earlier in this message what's important to you? And I pray that everything shifts. I pray that prayer becomes important to you. I pray that hospitality becomes important to you and I pray that you understanding people and their stories become important to you. Um so uh, I'm going to give you guys some homework, as I always do. Every single message I give, no matter what, I always try to give you guys a little spiritual formation or a practice or something, uh, and somehow to uh, apply this to your life. And it's pretty simple. I'm going to ask you to try that 12 minutes of praying. You're going to set a timer. You're going to put some music on. You're, not gonna, you're going to turn off your phone. You're going to do whatever you need to do. But 12 minutes of dedicated just praying time. You're not going to be driving. You're not going to be distracted. You're not going to do anything else. You need 12 minutes of prayer. I find it best to do that in my car, not driving, but in my car parked. That means that's like the doors are locked. You can't even bug me. You can knock all you want, but I'm praying. Number two, take someone to a coffee or lunch or bring them a lunch or cook them a meal or invite them over to your house and show hospitality just like Jesus did, just like Uh, the disciples did. Everything is founded on prayer and hospitality. And as you eat or drink with them, number three is ask them what their story is, what their testimony is, where they grew up, all this stuff. So there's three pieces of homework, 12 minutes of prayer, two, take one, uh, take someone a meal or cook them a meal. Number three, as you eat or take them that meal, find an opportunity to ask them what their story is. Because 
we as a church here in Collective, we're going to be counterculture. We're going to pray. When a world says, do it yourself, we're going to pray. When the world says, rely on yourself, we're going to be hospitable to others. And we're going to show that a family is better than doing it alone. Number three, when the world says, no one cares about your story, all they care about is your success. The contrast of success we don't care, but we're going to want to know people's stories. And if you guys want to sum it all up, our mission statement is walking in the way of Jesus together, being people of prayer, hospitality, and understanding. And just like my friend Justin in the middle, in the beginning of my testimony as a, as a Christian, just like as he wrapped his arm around me and showed prayer as the focal point of starting a relationship with Jesus. What an opportunity. Pray for an unbeliever. Pray for your family. Pray for anybody. 12 minutes of prayer. Let's do it. I love you guys. Um, just let's, uh, let's close this out by praying. Um, Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity. And Father, I do feel led at this moment that if anybody doesn't call your son Lord or they don't know what it is like to pray or what it is like to follow God or to surrender your, their life to, to you, to become a Christian and to join the family. Father, I pray that they hear these words, that they don't have to do anything other than accept your free gift of grace. They have to just hold out their hands and say, I accept the free gift of forgiveness of no matter what I did or where I come from. I accept the free gift. I want to become a Christian. I want to follow Jesus with my whole heart. And that's all they have to do. Father, may they be encouraged in that, strengthened in that. And as us believers at this moment, may, be, may we be reminded that, that prayer and hospitality and understanding of being curious and not judgmental is so important to you. Father, may we lean into more focused prayer time. May we lean into more generous hospitality. And may we lean into more of an understanding of people's stories and their backstories because it brings us all together. And we, all we want to do is be together and become more like your son, Jesus. We give you so much thanks. And Father, whoever believes that they, ex they accepted the free gift of being a Christian today, may they tell someone, maybe type it in the chat, or on the comments, or just message someone from Collective Church. Father, it's so important. Oh, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. Thanks for hanging out. Talk to you soon.